Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens on American Family Radio. Here's your host, Dr. Jessica Peck. Well, hey, friends, it's Dr. Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, professor, author, and mom of four. And I have a special treat for you today. Now, on this podcast, a lot of times we talk about some very heavy, weighty stuff. But today, I'm going to promise you in advance that we are going to bring the fun. I have none other than Monica Swanson today. Monica is a Hawaii living, yes, she lives in Oahu, homeschooling, Boy mom, she is married to a physician and has four boys. Now, I'm in the four kids club too, Monica, but I don't have four boys. So <laughs> you have more street cred than me. She <laughs> loves to cheer on families to live lives of faith, connection, and adventure. And she is the author of an incredible new book, Raising Amazing, Bringing Up Kids Who Love God, Like Their Family, and Do the Dishes Without Being Asked. Monica, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us all the way from Hawaii. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, why don't you start with just tell us a little bit about your family. Tell us mm -hmm. how you started to really be invested in what's the story behind this book? Oh, totally. Well, let's see. To be fair, I'm originally from the Pacific Northwest, so I'm a Seattle girl at heart, but my husband and I have been in <laughs> Hawaii for 22 years, so lived here longer than anywhere else, and we've raised our four sons here, and yeah, we're out kind of in the country on the North Shore of Oahu, so they're all surfers, and my youngest is now a golfer, but my third son is actually a professional surfer. He's 19 now, so kind of traveling the world and calling Hawaii home in between things, but I've got two who are living in California, one in college, one graduated college. College, so we're kind of spreading out more and more, but I have just had such a great and positive journey raising these four sons, not, not without mishap, not, you know, mm -hmm. definitely not a perfect story, but we have just felt like um, God's been so good to us to give us mentors and resources and wisdom, and we've really enjoyed every stage and season of raising these guys. Uh, we have homeschooled. And um, so it's been just an awesome journey. And I started blogging about 12 years ago and started sharing some of the things I'd learned and some of the trials and, and adventures along the way and just kind of recognized that I struck a nerve. I wrote a blog post called What a Teenage Boy Needs Most from His Mom. Mm. And um, within a couple of weeks, it had been read by millions of people. My internet wow. was crashing. And I was like, okay, this is not like <laughs> I created something new. There's like, this is not that complex of a blog post. What is it? And as I heard from people, I realized that people were just really hungry for hope. Um, people needed to hear the good news that you can actually raise up kids who you love and who love you back and who make good choices and live good mm -hmm. lives. And I was like, oh my goodness, this world has so many dark and negative messages for parents today. And everybody's terrified about what's going to happen when their kids are teenagers. And I just loved that <clears throat> I had a sincere story of, of hope and joy. And again, not perfect, but we were working through things and having a good time along the way. So that's kind of how it all began. My book, Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You, came out in 2019. And then uh, just 
really wanted to dive in deeper to a few of the topics and also reach the girl families Mm -hmm. as well. And so Raising Amazing has been really a fun project, and I'm so excited to share it with the world. Well, I think it is great to talk Mm -hmm. about being a boy mom because so many parenting resources are geared towards moms and daughters, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I I encountered that even as I started to to write, people just assumed, like, oh, you're talking Mm -hmm. about moms and daughters. And I think, no, there is there are moms and sons mm-hmm. too and navigating that relationship can be complicated. So mm-hmm. what do you love most about being a boy mom, Monica? Mm-hmm. Oh goodness. There's so much and again, because I haven't had girls, I can't say I can <laughs> compare it. But I I'm a girl myself and you know I I have really been able to get to know so many girl moms online as well. And I just think that boys bring a certain flavor of just adventure and humor. And just that sweet relationship between a mom and son, I think, is really unique and special. So I just treasure my boys. I think they're so much fun. They've, they're they growing up to be my very best friends. So I just Aww. love the relationship we share. Well, now everybody's just wanting to come out to Oahu and just like, <laughs> just totally. have that life. But, you know, I I am a girl mom, too, and a boy mom. I have two boys and mm-hmm. two girls. But what, the way that I describe it is, you know, my girls, they will pick flowers for themselves, but my boys will pick flowers for me. <laughs> mm, oh, that's and there's beautiful. something special about that. Mm-hmm. Now, in yep. your book, you talk about, there's a few things that I want to pull out, but everybody mm. should get the book and read the whole uh, thing. It's so uplifting you. and encouraging. You talk a lot about the gift of a healthy marriage. So mm-hmm. give us an overview of that chapter and how that, how has your journey been? How's that progression been? How does that mm-hmm. weigh into you being a parent? Totally. Well, this is a good chance to tell you one more thing about the book, which you probably already know. Mm -hmm. But for those listening, one of my favorite features of the book is that my husband writes a word to the dads at the end of every chapter. And that really grew out of the fact that my husband has been so much of the wisdom behind everything I do. I know you have a super supportive husband as well. I do. And so I was like, you know, it's almost not fair that I get to write these books and everyone gives me credit because I talk through every chapter of these books with my (laughs) husband. And I was like, hey, babe, what if you wrote just kind of the Cliff Notes version? Like, here's the topic, read what I write, and then what would you want to say to the men? If you could just sit down and man-to-man, give these guys a little word of encouragement, maybe share some of your challenges. So my husband took the time, God bless him, because he does not write quickly. (laughs) It took a long time. (laughs) And he wrote just a short word to the dads, which, oh, goodness, any moms listening, I'm just going to say this is the gold in the book. I feel like Mm. this is the very best feature because we need those dads to be involved. We need them to be, you know, hands-on and to take their role seriously. And I think sometimes men do mature a little slower. And so sometimes they realize how important their role is when kids are almost or all the way grown. And so we want those men to jump in. So With that being said, uh, the chapter on marriage really grew out of the fact that my husband and I have both been blessed to come from healthy marriages ourselves. We each have parents who, um, as shocking as it is, stayed married all Mm -hmm. their years, and we are so grateful for that. Again, not perfect marriages, but we just are so grateful that we had that foundation in each of our lives, and then we can look at them and say, well, what was the key to that? What was their success, and how can we um, put into practice some of the things we've seen in our own parents. And I tell the story in there about how my mother-in-law suffered from Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. for her last seven years of life. And um, my father-in-law took care of her and really 
laid down his life to be her primary caregiver for those years. And just what that meant, that vow that he made to her 66 years prior and how he lived that out and how that inspired us. And so marriage is hard. And, uh, you know, marriage right up there with parenting, they are both extremely hard jobs. (laughs) But what a gift we can give our kids, that security, that foundation of just knowing that they have a mom and dad who are committed to one another, are committed to the family. I don't think there's much more next to a relationship with God. That that foundation of a strong marriage is about the most important thing you can give your kids. So I just really wanted to emphasize the importance of investing time and energy into the marriage. And now that your boys are getting older, what is their perception of that? Like, have they mm-hmm. gone to that point where they verbalize back to you? Or, you know, what what is their... What is their view? Sure. Well, I think one thing that happens really in the teenage years, but especially when they become young adults, is is our kids realize that we're human, and uh-huh. they 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 notice that maybe we're not everything. You know, when they're little, they just mom and dad they put us up on a pedestal. But at some point, they start to notice, <laughs> and not just notice, but maybe speak out the fact that they're noticing some of our imperfections. And so we do have good conversations with our boys where they give us feedback, and they're honest. And I think the the bottom line, the most important thing that they've said is just how glad they are that we've been committed to mm. one another. Uh, I think that there's probably things they'll do in their marriages that are different and even better than what we've done, and we can all hope that our kids improve on each of our situations. But certainly, they have recognized just the gift we've given them, and they have so many friends who do come from broken marriages. And while God can do anything, and and He can, you know, give us hope and 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 a future no matter where we come from, my boys have just seen that gift and really appreciated it. And you know, you've made that gift to live on in written word because this book is Mm. going to endure and it will be a generational keepsake Mm. for your children and your grandchildren. And they're going to Mm. look back and I love that they'll see not just you writing, but your husband Mm -hmm. writing too. Mm -hmm. I'm picturing this, Monica. I'm picturing all of these women in bed at night reading your book. You know, it's on their nightstand. Mm -hmm. And then they're saying, oh, let me read you this part, like what he said. Right? Dad's writing uh-huh. for dads, and then you know, yep. then they'll re- they can read the Cliff Notes version. I love that. Totally, just hand it over and say, "Okay, your turn." It'll just take a moment. Yes, I love it. Well, the second thing I wanted to talk about another chapter that really caught my eye was siblings as friends. <laughs> now, yes, this is something that you know parents across the world are listening to right mm-hmm. now, saying, "How." Did you do mm-hmm. that? Because I'll tell you, I saw I a video on your Instagram of your boys mm-hmm. at Christmas time sitting mm-hmm. around playing their guitar, singing <laughs> yes. together. It was yeah. so precious. Tell <laughs> us your secrets. Tell us how you did it. Right. Sometimes I'm like, does this look super cheesy? But it's real. Who cares? They actually do love each other. <laughs> and sometimes they'll do like a birthday Instagram post to one another. And I laugh because I'm like, okay, it almost sounds like I wrote that for them. But they really, really love each other. But here's the thing. They have grown up being normal kids. They fought. They squabbled. Sometimes they all out got physical in each other's face. And sometimes they still do. Mm -hmm. So let's just lay that groundwork that my boys are normal. They are not unicorns. (laughs) Uh, However, 
the 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 greatest advice I have for any families is the only way to build a relationship, any relationship, is by spending time with somebody. Mm. And I just think that families are so busy today, and kids go to school, and they do sports and other activities, and then they have friendships, and they want to hang out on weekends with friends or even take friends on vacation, which is not all bad. And then, of course, we have that new thing that my boys didn't have when they were little, and that is these screens mm-hmm. that just want to take any last moments of the day from them. And so I'm just going to encourage parents to consider how do you expect your kids to build a friendship if they really never hang out together? They may live in the same home. They may sit around a table and, you know, be forced to have small talk, but do they really invest time into their relationship? And that's going to take some intentionality today. It's not going to happen naturally. And so my boys had a few things going for them. One, they're homeschooled. They live out in the country. They Mm -hmm. didn't have a cul-de-sac of neighbors knocking on the door. They were kind of stuck (laughs) together. And I couldn't have really planned that. But now looking back, I'm like, wow, I think that was a huge key. Mm -hmm. We also just guarded our family time. We didn't allow them to just run off every time they had a free moment to hang out with a friend. We were like, no, it's Sunday. We're going to go to church. We're going to hang out as a family today. And sometimes that meant there's some pushback and kids might argue or complain. But, you know, at the end of the day, when they don't have access to constant screens and when they don't have friends always with them, they end up realizing they have a lot in common and they can get creative. And when they're bored and they're together, they start creating things. And pretty soon there is a friendship there. So really time together is the biggest key to building friendships between siblings. I really couldn't agree more. And we try to do that as a family, even just in going to the grocery store or running Mm -hmm. errands, or Mm -hmm. if someone has a baseball game, like we're all going to go together. And Mm -hmm. this is going to be really unpopular opinion. And we'll talk about this next. But I agree that families are too busy. And one of Mm -hmm. the things that we did was we prioritized church attendance together. Mm -hmm. Like we weren't going to put sports in front of that or, Mm -hmm. you know, social events or even traveling. One of the things that we did was when we go to travel somewhere else, we would assign each kid uh, to take turns to look up and find a church that we could attend. Mm. And we've attended church in Oahu. I think they want to join that church because they Uh gave us smoothies and lays when we walked in. (laughs) And you can go barefoot probably. (laughs) Yes, but we've been to little mountain churches in Colorado and little country churches in Kentucky and old, very traditional churches in Virginia. And Mm. I think those things are so important. I couldn't agree more. And that really Mm -hmm. talks more about the next chapter I want to talk about is how they spend their days. School, Mm -hmm. sports, hobbies, free time. Now, you've got four boys, and you've got Mm -hmm. a professional surfer. Like Sports Mm -hmm. is is a thing in your house. It's not like you're into sports. (laughs) But but how do you manage that? Right. Well, again, and I hate to overuse the word intentionality, but it really can't be overstated that that I think for us as parents to just kind of zoom out, and, and I say that when I'm talking about technology as well, none of these things are bad in and of themselves, but let's zoom out and look at our days and also look at our lives and say, at the end of this season, when these kids do launch into independence, what do we want their memories to be? What do we want our family um, memories to be together? And sometimes that means we need to consider how they're spending their time right now and is it the best use of their time? You know, it's not always between something good and bad. Sometimes it's good and better. And so this is really just all about taking a good look and and maybe talking as a family. And, you know, early on in the book, I have a chapter with family mission statements mm-hmm. and just talking about your family values and culture and maybe even family brand. But 
are you spending time doing the things that matter most to you? Now, for us as a family, we often have to revisit technology and say, how much are we all sitting around on screens? Is that how we want our life to look? Or is that just what we're doing because it, it just is what we're sucked into without thinking through it? So certainly school is a big topic. And, you know, because we're a homeschool family, I have such a, a heart and a passion to encourage parents, if you're not happy with what you've got in your community, to consider maybe homeschooling is a good option. Um, sports. Sports are wonderful, but are you doing them because you feel like you have to because everybody else does, or is this something your child is actually passionate about? Mm -hmm. And same thing goes for all those other activities. We were a family that did a few things and did a lot of them, but we didn't do everything. We did not sign our kids up for a hundred different activities. <laughs> yeah. We had a couple, and when they weren't doing those, they were home with the family, and we kept it pretty simple. And I'm so glad now, looking back, that that's how we did it. I I had the same experience, and I love mm -hmm. it. I wanted my kids to be close. I wasn't mm -hmm. close to my siblings growing up. And, but I'll tell you, Monica, when my daughters first went off to college, uh, my first one left and the second mm -hmm. one was home. Oh, she was so sad and mm -hmm. so depressed. And I told mm -hmm. my husband, perhaps we have overdone it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Maybe. Oh, it's true. Yeah. But I wouldn't change a thing. I really exactly. wouldn't. Exactly. Well, since yes. you brought it up, let's go back and talk about your family's vision and mission statement, because I mm. thought that was so powerful mm. to give your son's identity, like that mm -hmm. this is who we are and this yeah. is what we're about. This is what we do. Talk about that process for your family. Sure, yes. Well, I think that one thing that my husband and I have always really invested time into is just helping our kids understand just that topic of identity. Because I think we live in a world that it's so challenging. Kids just have have so many voices coming at them, telling them who they are, where they fit in, or where they don't. And so really establishing our kids' identity just as, as sons of the Lord, that they are created in God's image, that He loves them unconditionally. So foundationally, we want them to have an unshakable identity, not based on popularity, successes or failures, likes or follows, but really just based on the fact that they're created individually in God's image. So that's something we focused on. But then as our kids grew up, we realized that we also had something special going on, that when we thought about our family, we had a few things that were kind of uniquely our own. And and. Certainly, this isn't something that there's a right or a wrong, but it's things like the kind of music we like to listen to, what we do on a free day, what we sit around and talk about. And it's actually really fun when you think about it. But again, in the busyness of life, so many people are raising their kids and they just haven't really thought through that. Mm -hmm. And and no judgment, no condemnation. I actually confess in my book that it was when my first son came home from college for Christmas that we first wrote out what we considered our mission statement or started working on it. It took a while to develop. But we hadn't written it down. But what was fun was when we got out that whiteboard and we're like, okay, let's name some of our family values. Let's name some of the things that make us unique. There was a theme there. Everyone was kind of on the same page. And we're like, this is so cool to think we've communicated mm -hmm. who we are, what our family brand is, without even ever writing it down. But how much more cool it is if you can take that time when the kids are young to say, let's be intentional about developing our family culture. Hey, kids, what do you want to be—what's so, something you really value or that's important to you that you want to bring into this mission statement or family culture statement? And 
when kids start to be involved in that process, I feel like it gives them more ownership, more belonging. No doubt, kids want to belong to something, right? I mean, yes. we hear about the the gang culture and all of that. There's there's a need in all of our hearts to belong, and I think if we give our kids something special at home that we can say, "This is who we are. We are the Swansons, mm-hmm. and this is what defines us." They're less likely to go looking to belong somewhere else. So let them buy into it. Let them be a part of it and talk about it. Celebrate it. Say, hey, it's Friday. Every Friday night we do movie and pizza night or, mm. or you know, our vacations are all about adventure or we're going to grow a garden together or let's have a challenge where we read so many books, whatever your family <laughs> thing is. Talk about it and enjoy it and celebrate it. And I think that gives kids that sense of belonging that keeps bringing them back. They keep coming back home because they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Well, I think the be- one of the beautiful things about your family, Monica, is that even though you may not have written out your mission and vision on paper, God had been writing it on mm. the canvas of your heart for mm-hmm. years, and then you yeah. would just be able to articulate you know, the result of that. Now, it, yeah. it's interesting. You talk about doing that when your first son ca- came home from college. When your first son was born, this is how you start mm. the book, oh, yeah. it was really scary and talked mm-hmm. about that perspective shift that you had. So tell Mm. us how that kind of set the tone for you as a mom. Oh, for sure. Yes. Well, you know, like like many women, my first pregnancy actually ended in a miscarriage. And so I had really been rattled by that. And that was a tough one. It was just about 11 weeks that we lost our first baby, but enough to make the next pregnancy a a scary one. And you Mm -hmm. have more anxiety and and then um, when finally our sweet Josiah was born, we we didn't find out the sex in advance. And so we were um, waiting to find out if we were having a boy or a girl. And um, finally, I, I was past due by six days and finally went into labor. And it was a tough labor. You know, sometimes that first one, it, it was a long, difficult mm-hmm. process. But when he finally was born, uh, he came out. And I'll never forget the sight because they laid him on, on my tummy, on my chest. Mm-hmm. And first of all, he was huge. Huge. I, I just pictured this tiny baby, but he just looked massive. And probably part of what made him look so big was that he was floppy and really yeah. a gray-blue color. And he wasn't moving, and he didn't cry like you kind of anticipate this baby coming out and doing a big cry. And something was clearly off from that first moment. And they just did the the fastest, you know, cut that umbilical cord, didn't wait for dad, and just whipped him out of the room. And a whole team followed. And I'm lying there with a nurse and a doctor and Mm. no idea what just happened. And my husband followed the team. My husband was in medical school then. Oh, wow. And just enough knowledge to be dangerous, right? And (laughs) Yes. So he followed them. And for many moments, I had to um, lie there and deliver the afterbirth and wait to find out, was my baby alive or dead? And and can't imagine. Yeah, it it was really, really um, traumatic. But um, after eight minutes of bagging him with oxygen, um, they had punctured a little hole in his lung trying to do it because they were working so hard, but he did take a breath. And then from that trauma, ended up having uh, seizure after seizure for the next day and went into a neonatal intensive care unit. And so it was a rough first week of his life, but mm-hmm. oh my goodness, that that scary experience certainly gave me such a deep love and commitment. And 
I didn't know, we didn't know, nobody knew if, if perhaps he had some brain damage from that experience. It certainly wouldn't have been a surprise. And we didn't know what to expect, but all we knew was like, this was our baby and we were going to just be all in. I mean, that that's the name of that chapter, just mm-hmm. all in. And that commitment that you feel when you almost lose somebody and you don't care what, what that's going to look like. You just know that you want to be the best parents you can be. So that was the what started motherhood for me and that deep love and commitment. But I do confess as we go into that chapter that, you know, we all get tired and mm-hmm. you have more kids and you start to take things for granted. And and I hit that stage when my kids were young where I was really struggling with motherhood and struggling with my role and feeling like like this this perhaps wasn't significant. And, you know, he started mm-hmm. to dream of getting a, a real job and putting on real clothes. And, <laughs> and so I think that we sometimes lose perspective in the busyness of those early years, especially, or or teenage years. We can so easily yeah. lose perspective and we need reminders. We need to remind ourselves. We need outside inspiration. But um, but yeah, that was a, a scary start. But something when I reflect back on gives me that reminder of just the precious um, gift that our children are. Well, and now that you're on the other end of parenting, you know, your mm. sons are emerging into adulthood, you're mm. reaping the benefits of that. Mm. And the last chapter I want to talk to you about is talk to your kids about everything. Mm. And I've yes. seen you talking to your sons. You do uh-huh. that in a very mm-hmm. public way, which I love. So mm. just tell, talk to the parent who's saying, hey, I don't know how to even begin. Mm. Like, my kid doesn't want to talk to me. Like, how do you talk to your boys about everything? Especially oh, well, boys who don't really say anything, right? Right. Well, I'm going to say your book is one of my biggest inspirations. When people ask me that question, oh. I talk about behind closed doors and just how important it is that we do have those conversations. But I I just recommend if, if, if parents have young children, start now. Like when you start to talk when they're young, it, it really makes things more comfortable. But even if they're older and you're like, we haven't had a lot of deep talks, we don't talk about things... I'm going to encourage you to just be honest with your kids and say, you know, there's some things that we've kind of just not ever talked about. Maybe I assume you're finding out about it elsewhere or assume you know what we think, but but I'd love to be able to talk more freely about some things. And, and can we go there? You know, just get it over with. It may be awkward, but get it over with. And, and I think that our kids need to hear what we think, what what we, um, how we would guide them, and and ultimately, my heart is not to teach my kids what I think, but a, a biblical viewpoint on everything. Because I'm going to make mistakes, I'm going to make judgment errors, I'm not going to get it all right. But if I'm teaching my kids a biblical worldview, and always going back to the Word of God and saying. I don't have all the answers, but but let's make sure that whatever we're believing, whatever the culture is telling us, let's put it through the filter of God's Word, mm-hmm. and let's do that together. And I know sometimes parents are stressed because they're like, well, I don't know the Bible that well, and what if I don't have the right answers? That's okay. I say just go and find out together. Let them know that you are a safe person, that you're comfortable learning together, and then don't be afraid to talk about everything, everything from from things going on in our culture, politics, all the hot topics, because they're going to hear about them somewhere. So if you can be the one to introduce them to those topics, all the better. And if you haven't, now let's let's go ahead and open that up and talk about it at home. Well, your book, Raising Amazing, Bringing Up Mm -hmm. Kids Who Love God, Like Their Family, and Do the Dishes Without Being Asked. Let me tell you, Monica, it is like you bottled up some sunshine Mm -hmm. and some sea salt air and some (laughs) aloha spirit, and you put it in a little mason jar with Uh, some, you know, with some Hawaiian flowers. And uh, I opened this and I felt my blood pressure go down. And I mm -hmm. think one of the 
the, one of the most amazing things about your platform and your testimonies to say, yeah, this is possible. You mm. can enjoy parenting. It's not mm -hmm. perfect, but it's healthy. And I love that. Mm -hmm. So the last mm. question that I have for you is what we ask every guest. If you could give just one piece of advice to parents looking for hope in building healthy relationships, what would it be, Monica? Oh, just one? Are you I sure? I know, just one. <laughs> or, you know, one-ish. It's fine. <laughs> okay, well, First thing, and I just touched on this already, but I just, more and more, the older I get, the more I learn about God and His Word. I just believe that the Bible does have answers for everything. So the the greatest resource you have is the Word of God for all the things you need. And so definitely turn to Him first. Second thing, if I can just squeeze in the yes. one and a half, is just enjoy those kids so much. Oh. I, I, you know, I feel like I'm almost walking through a second season of parenting because my first three were born so close together. And then a full six and a half years later, my fourth son was born. And so now as I'm parenting him, I have that perspective of realizing these others are gone, they're grown, they're adults. And I have a 12-year-old, and so I'm finding myself just being more present, laughing and enjoying him, letting a few things go that maybe I thought were a bigger <laughs> deal a few years back, but just really savoring that and realizing that uh, we as parents do have great influence on our kids. We have such an opportunity to pour into them, to shape their hearts, to point them to God. And so just enjoy it. Don't, don't consider it a distraction from the more important things. Don't look at it as frustrating or annoying, but just look at it as your greatest calling, and you'll never regret that. Well, I think that is so well said. And thank mm -hmm. you, Monica, for sharing with us, for sharing your family with us, for sharing hope with us, mm -hmm. and for teaching us that we can raise our kids to be amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. How can we connect with you and follow you and find out more about what you're doing in Hawaii, where we all want to go now? <laughs> yes. Well, my home base hub is my website, which is monicaswanson.com. And there are links there to pretty much everything I do. I do have the Monica Swanson podcast. And on Instagram, that's where I hang out the most on social media. I'm at monicaswanson underscore. And please, if you find me, do say hi. Tell me how you found me, because I'd love to get to know all of you listeners, and I'd love to just encourage you and support you in your journey. Well, we need more of that in the world. Mm. So thank you for being a ray of sunshine. And like I said, aloha <laughs> spirit. I love it. Thanks for joining us today, Monica. We appreciate you so much. Thanks so much for having me. What a fun and uplifting time we've had together. And now we all want to move to Hawaii and have coffee on the beach with Monica, breathing in that aloha spirit and being part of her ohana. I'm getting carried away. It's time for Conversation Keys, where we explore health impacts and home strategies for relationship building. We all want to raise amazing kids who love God, like their family, and do the dishes without being asked. Sometimes in today's parenting efforts, we feel the impulse to fight culture when it comes to our kids. We think if we can just protect them from negative cultural influences, we will raise them to be amazing. This conversation has its time and place. But when we structure our purpose around fighting against something, we sometimes lose sight of what we are actually fighting for. And we should be fighting 
for our families. If you missed the episodes with Pastor Brian Haynes, go back and take a listen to our conversation about this. And Monica does such a great job of emphasizing those simple acts of relationship building. In these days where living at the speed of a smartphone is inescapable, it's impossible to protect your child from every trial or negative cultural influence that will come their way. Our strategy needs a good defense, but we need an even better offense. Your best offense is building healthy relationships with your child. Create a safe relational space in a world where relationships seem so unsafe and are subject to changing social media opinion. Influence your child's worldview by viewing the world as they see it, coming alongside them as a trusted guide. Yes, protect them from all the things in any way you can, but empower them by saying something like, you will encounter challenges we don't expect. You will have roadblocks and bad days. You will find yourself in a scary situation where you may not know what to do, but know this, I am there for you. As parents, we can't succumb to fear-based parenting, where we are battening down the hatches and running for the hills in a panic every time we hear of a new threat, and there are plenty. Our hearts grip in fear as we realize we can't win the fight against fentanyl overdoses, human trafficking, sexting, dating violence, alcohol abuse. The list goes on and on. It's overwhelming and defeating. Fighting against culture has its time and place, and it may be part of your strategy. But if you reframe your parenting perspective and make it your mission to fight for the heart of your child and walk with them in relationship, guiding them through cultural change, that's a fight we can win. And that's how we change culture from the inside out. Culture lies to us as parents, too. Do you believe the lie the world tells you about parenting? That the measure of your success lies in your teen's achievements? That if they behave perfectly, it means you've parented perfectly? Listen, here's a secret. Your teens don't want a perfect parent. They want a present parent. Parenting isn't about raising perfect kids. It's about raising ourselves to grace because we're not perfect either. Instead of putting pressure on our kids to keep up our carefully constructed facade, we can show them reliance on God every day in every way for every need and grace when we fall short. We can value growing instead of being grown. Monica gave us such great encouragement today and cheered us on to leave fear-based parenting behind. We can find joy in the journey together, cheering on our kids with confidence in the seeds we are planting. Here's your conversation key. Ask your teen, what are ways we can have more fun together as a family? How about this one? If you're really brave, ask your teen, if you knew I wouldn't say no, what would you ask me to do with you? And then be ready to make good on your promise and actually do it. 
Friends, get ready to step out of your comfort zone and make good on your intent to have some fun. I can't wait to hear about your adventures. Try it out. Let me know how it goes. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, serving as your expert guide on the side to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. Tune in next week as we explore faith-based health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. Together, we'll find hope for healthy relationships. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. We'll see you here next week on American Family Radio.